0: Good evening. My name is Amanda Hilliker, and I am a sophomore biology major here at Hillsdale. And I have been given the pleasure of introducing the speaker for this evening. Naomi Wolf is an author, columnist, professor, and co-founder and CEO of Daily Clout. She earned a BA from Yale University and a PhD from New College, Oxford University. A former Rhodes Scholar and research fellow, at the Rothermere American Institute in Barnard College. She has taught as a visiting professor at SUNY Stony Brook and at George Washington University as a visiting lecturer. She has written for numerous publications, including as a columnist for The Guardian and The Sunday Times of London. She is the author of several books, including The Beauty Myth, How Images of Beauty Are Used Against Women. The End of America, which won the 2008 Nautilus Silver Award, Give Me Liberty, A Handbook for American Revolutionaries and the Bodies of Others, The New Authoritarians, COVID-19, and the War Against the Human. Please join me in welcoming Dr. Naomi Wolf.
1: Thank you,
2: Thank you so much. Thank you so much for that lovely introduction. Thank you, everyone, for thank you, everyone, for being here. You're very brave, given <laughs> given what I'm going to share with you tonight. But I promise we'll go to a very dark and scary place, and then we'll come out into a place of hope and forward thinking. Yes, um, but I do admire your courage. And before I begin, I just want to find find the words to express how grateful I am to Hillsdale College, um, not only for inviting me, but for being what it is, which is truly a light right now to not just America, but to probably the world in helping us remember what liberal arts are supposed to do and what Western civilization is supposed to be for and what it means to actually take on that incredibly um, powerful and responsible and sacred task of overseeing the education of young adults from the ages of 17 or 18 to 21 or 22. And out of all the institutions that I've witnessed in the last three years, this is the only one, this is the only one in which the students have not been traumatized. I'm so grateful to all of you. So I'm just going to jump right in. Is there, I'm a pacer, is there a a handheld mic I might uh, use while I pace? And oh, I'm sorry, Mr. Bell. Um, I'll stand here till a handheld manifests. So I I should also start out by disclosing that I did spend my entire career um, on the left. Um, I was an advisor to uh, Gore 2000 and to the Clinton re-election. I'm sorry. I just feel I should share. I should share this. I should get it out. I should, I should just be transparent. Um, and the last three years have shown me that my former world has truly imploded and that now... Yeah. <laughs> Sad but true, but the happy part is that now I think something's happening in this country in which left and right really are losing any meaning, and what really matters is what I've found, which is my brothers and sisters are right here in this room. My brothers and sisters are anyone who cares about the Constitution, liberty, and freedom. So I'm so happy to be with you tonight. Um, and I should also disclose, in case you're worried, this is not a pharma hit. This, <laughs> I ran after a puppy. or <laughs> We have an adorable new puppy, and he was faster than I am, so um, that's that. All right, so I'm going to talk to you about what's really in the Pfizer documents. Um, and uh, if I pace around like this, can you hear me? No. Oh. Oh. All right. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, and the reason I know what's in the Pfizer documents is not because I'm a medical doctor. I'm not. It's not because I'm a scientist. I'm not. I'm an English major. My DPhil is in Victorian poetry. But, but I know what's in the Pfizer documents because something kind of miraculous in the history of intellectual inquiry happened to me and to the world um, a, a, as a result. And it, it's the following. Uh, <clears throat> Some of you may know that a lawyer named Aaron Siri uh, pursued a lawsuit against the FDA to release um, the internal documents that Pfizer uh, created as part of its uh, rollout of its mRNA injection. And these are internal documents showing... Um, what happened when people were injected with this material and also the experiments that led up to it internally. And Thank God for the judge um, in that lawsuit because the FDA asked that judge to keep these documents hidden for 75 years. Right? Until long after we are all gone. Exactly. And the judge said no. And so the documents were released. So I read this. Thank you so much. And as a journalist, I was concerned because I knew that journalists... Thank you so, so much. ...are <laughs> not equipped to, um, as lay people, to understand the technical language in the documents. And I also knew that uh, Pfizer was releasing 55,000 documents a month, and even that is a bit deceptive because these are documents that each of them can be 10,000 pages long, right? So massive, a massive tranche of, of data, and that ordinary journalist it was going to go into the memory hole unless we found specialized um, readers to to read through, analyze, and interpret and boil down into manageable reports, thank you so much, what was in the Pfizer documents. So I went on War Room, which is another great irony of this moment. Are we good? Good, Thank you so much. All right, thank you to this lovely lady who helped me be audible. Thank you. Thank you. I feel free here at Hillsdale. I can go anywhere. I can say anything. I went on War Room, which is, you know, one of these great ironies of this moment that Steve Bannon and I have this, you know, interlocutory um, platform where he listens to what I have to say, which is a miracle because I got deplatformed a year and a half ago um, for doing what I've done for 35 years, which is reporting on women's reproductive and sexual health. Um, in June of 2021. I reported on the fact that women were experiencing menstrual symptoms subsequent to receiving an mRNA injection. I'm a feminist. I've been a feminist forever. My first book was published when I was 26. And it is not unusual for me to call attention to symptoms that women are having that are red flags. Anyone who knows eighth grade biology can tell if women are having menstrual symptoms, they're going to be other bad things happening down the road. Um, and sure enough, Twitter deplatformed me for this obvious observation, and I, I was also smeared um, globally. And it turns out another lawsuit subsequently found that it was the White House, the CDC, possibly DHS, and Twitter all unlawfully colluding to deplatform and smear me for making this observation about women's health. Yeah, but fast forward, Um, I was talking on War Room about the release of these documents, and I called for experts to help us read through them, and miraculously, 2,500 experts responded to this call. Right? Yes. Yes. But the story is not over. (laughs) because I was ill-equipped to manage them. And so we had physicians, we had RNs, we had biostatisticians, medical fraud investigators, um, lab clinicians, research scientists, uh, cardiologists, pathologists, anesthesiologists, some of the most distinguished scientists and medical people imaginable. Um, But it's virtually impossible to manage 2,500 experts around the world Uh, especially, you know, if you don't have this background, waiting through 55,000 documents a month. So again, the reason I tell this story is I really feel like something metaphysically beautiful is happening even in the middle of something metaphysically hideous. And that is this tiny woman, Amy Kelly, this tiny doll-like woman, and I stress her tiny doll-like appearance because it's so stereotypical, but she's such a force of nature... Right, belying those stereotypes. She offered to be our project manager. She stepped right in and she just calmed the storm. And she organized these 2,500 experts, immediately 3,500 experts around the world into six working groups uh, with a committee at the head of each um, who were busy churning out uh, reports based on these primary source documents so that they could tell the world using the highest level of analysis possible, but broken down into language that everyone could understand what was in the Pfizer documents. So this is just stunning to me that this happened. So now there are 58 reports. And now is the sad part of what I have to tell you. The Pfizer documents contain evidence of the greatest crime against humanity in the history of our species. And I, I'm so sorry to have to walk you through this, but there's no way around it. We just have to go through. And the beauty of Hillsdale is that you all are tough and like truth. Um, and so with truth, we can, we can prevail. Uh, but it's, it's, it's painful. Um, some of the things that came to light, just some headlines. Pfizer knew, for instance, one month after rollout, so that's November of 2020, that the vaccines didn't work to stop COVID. Indeed, in the Pfizer documents, a month after rollout, and this is marketing, post-marketing, so it's, it's out there, the spokesmodels are telling you to do it, the ads are in social media, You know, the ads are on television, a month after rollout, Pfizer's internal documents identify that the vaccines have vaccine failure and um, failure of efficacy, and they identify that the third most common side effect of the Pfizer vaccine is COVID. (laughs) The second headline, which is stunning, is that within a month or two, Pfizer was getting so many reports of adverse events, meaning bad things happening to people who had been injected, that they understood that they needed to hire 2,400 full-time staffers in order simply to process the paperwork of the adverse events that they were receiving reports of, as well as to prepare for the flood of adverse events that they knew they would get in the near future. Pfizer knew in May of 2021 that the vaccines had caused heart damage in 35 minors within a week after the injection. And yet, and Pfizer knew, right? You've got to understand that all of these documents say FDA confidential at the bottom of them, right? Pfizer and the FDA shared these documents. And the FDA knew that 35 minors sustained heart damage. But the government of the United States, and I'm embarrassed to say I voted for these people, didn't tell parents until August of 2021 that there was an elevated risk of heart damage in healthy young adults. Four months later, and in those four months, what did the young adults of America receive? A constant battering with propaganda on social media, on television, in news outlets, bought up, By money in the CARES Act, as well as from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, with like influencers showing off their injection site, saying, you know, we can do this together, we can be strong, do it for grandma, all of this aimed at young adults. They did not tell the young adults, the healthy young adults of the United States, your generation, that this was elevating a risk of heart damage, till four months later. You may recall that the CDC said that the materials of the injection stay in the injection site, and the materials are lipid nanoparticles, they are mRNA, and the lipid nanoparticles are an industrial fat, which is covered in polyethylene glycol, which is a petroleum byproduct, right, and spike protein. Well, the CDC said it stays in the injection site, and then it says, and I remember asking doctors, like relatives who were doctors and were funded by NIH grants, where does the spike protein go? And they were like, you know when you're a journalist, you've got an ear for nonsense? They were like, well, your body metabolizes it. you know, Or, well, you'll digest it and excrete it. And it's like they had no evidence to give me, to show me the basis for their response. But in fact, that's not what happens to these materials. And Pfizer knew that. These materials biodistribute, this is Pfizer's language, throughout your body in 48 hours. And where do they settle? They, well, lipid nanoparticles are designed to cross every membrane in the human body. They've known this for 10 years. So where do these, these ingredients go? They go to the brain. Some of you have noticed changes in the personalities of loved ones who have taken these injections. They biodistribute to the liver, the adrenals, the spleen, and if you're a woman, they accumulate in your ovaries. Now, these are industrial fats coated with polyethylene glycol in your ovaries, okay? And what's really scary, Dr. Robert Chandler, who's a respected... um, pathologist who's treated uh, the Lakers and the um, Angels, he wrote this report. And he shows that the chart shows the graph going down as it leaves the injection site but going up as it accumulates in these various organs over time. And what's incredibly scary if you're a woman is that there's no mechanism that we've found by which the body gets rid of the lipid nanoparticles in the ovaries. So your first injection, some go into your ovaries. Your second injection, more go into your ovaries. Your booster, more go into your ovaries. There's no mechanism with which the body can release this material that we've seen. And Pfizer knew. So the lipid nanoparticles, as I mentioned, cross every membrane in the human body. Um, and. Not unexpectedly or not surprisingly in the Pfizer documents, it shows that in only three months, there were 1,200-plus deaths um, out of 42,000-plus adverse events. And there are catastrophic categories of the kinds of side effects that um, people sustain. And, And what's so heartbreaking to me knowing this is that these are not the same side effects that the CDC tells you about, or your doctor tells you about. The CDC will say, you'll have fatigue, you'll have chills maybe, there'll be a little swelling at the injection site. That's not what's in the Pfizer documents. There's, at industrial scale, strokes, hemorrhages, blood clots, lung clots, leg clots, neurological disorders, um, dementia type disorders, Guillain-Barre, Bell's palsy, I mean, the the neurological disorders are are at industrial scale, but also side effects you don't necessarily expect. But now that I know about them, I see them everywhere, the number one side effect is joint pain, which is so interesting, right? Did the CDC tell you about joint pain? And yet I know healthy young adults, healthy young adults, who are limping or who have had knee problems or shoulder problems, their shoulders separated. Well, think about lipid nanoparticles. They go through every membrane, they're going through cartilage, they're destabilizing cartilage. And the other surprising side effect is myalgia, muscle pain. And again, I know healthy men in their 40s and 50s, you know, ate right, went to the gym, all the things, organic food, in constant pain from muscle, muscle pain. And that's right there at industrial scale in the Pfizer documents. Um, but you, you are not told about that. But in addition, It's, I mean, I I don't say lightly that it's mass murder. There are 61 deaths from stroke, for example. Half of the stroke adverse events took place within 48 hours of the injection. There are five deaths from liver damage, and half of the liver damage adverse events took place within 48 hours of the injection. Now, one of the most disturbing reports is Report 56, which is about children. This is so chilling. So the, the emergency use authorization for children didn't get passed until about four or five months ago. But in early 2021, in other words, when it wasn't legal to do this, Pfizer injected 62 kids, some of them as young as two months old. 28 of them, we don't know what happened to them that we don't know if they survived. Among the 34 whose records are still in the Pfizer documents, there's a 7-year-old British girl who sustained a stroke, and there's a 2-month-old baby with liver damage. And so this is such a chilling report because it's clear, and we did additional uh, investigation of this, there were a 1,000... Kids in the United States in different university hospitals, including Rochester Medical Center, that were experimented on prior to it being legal to inject children with this material. And I can promise you, these are thro- what society calls throwaway kids. These are not kids whose parents have lawyers. These are not kids with a you know whose parents have a voice. We're going to find that these are kids who are institutionalized, who are. Uh, orphaned or, or, you know, discarded in some way um, and used in this way. Now I want to dial, are you guys okay? Can I keep going? Okay, all right, all right, it's tough. Now I want to go to the centerpiece of what we found in the Pfizer documents. It's not even the deaths, it's not even the disabilities. What is abundantly clear, and I don't say this lightly, I'm Jewish, my grandmother lost nine brothers and sisters in the Holocaust, I don't talk about Mengele or Nazi experiments lightly. But in the center of the documents, there is a literally Mengele-type experiment at a grand scale on human reproduction. 360-degree experiment on how to disrupt and impair human reproduction. So, for example, in the Pfizer documents, women were told not to get pregnant, which is interesting, right? It's a respiratory disease. Why would you tell women not to get pregnant? But nonetheless, 270 women got pregnant. Out of those 270 women, Pfizer lost the records, which is illegal. You're supposed to, by law, follow subjects to the end of the trial. They lost the records of 234 of these pregnant women. Of the 36 women whose pregnancies came to term, over 80% of them lost their babies. Spontaneous abortion or miscarriage. Many people have asked me, is shedding real? Right, anecdotally, and in fact, I got deplatformed because I reported that women were describing disruptions in their own menstrual cycles or feeling ill around other women, like co-workers who had recently received an injection. Shedding is real. In the Pfizer documents, Pfizer defines exposure to the vaccine as skin contact, inhalation, and sexual intercourse, especially at conception. And they seem, this is very bad news, and I'm sorry, but they seem to identify the risk or the transmission of exposure to the vaccine as male to female in sexual intercourse. And they specifically told the men in the trials not to have intercourse with childbearing age women, and if they did, to use two reliable forms of birth control. So there was clearly something about conceiving with a vaccinated male that Pfizer um, Was guarding against. So we know now that there's horrific damages to conception from this injection. As I keep saying, the lipid nanoparticles traverse every membrane. The placenta is a membrane. Of course, I mean, the most sacred place in the world is the placenta with a baby gestating in it, right? You can't. You can't uh, impair or compromise that membrane without damaging that fetus and that fetal environment. The lipid nanoparticles traverse the placenta. They get into the, the, uh, the environment of the fetus. And uh, a maternal, I'm sorry, maternal fetal medicine specialist named Dr. Jim Thorpe has found in his patients that the placentas have a network of calcifications um, caused by these lipid nanoparticles. And babies are being delivered earlier because of these impaired or compromised placentas. And he's seeing, at great scale, chromosomal abnormalities in in newborns of vaccinated mothers. Lipid nanoparticles in the Pfizer documents are also revealed to enter breast milk. And this stands to reason, remember, we were told, oh, these materials stay in the injection site. Well, they're circulating through the blood. What is breast milk made of? It's built up out of blood and lymph. So the lipid nanoparticles covered in polyethylene glycol are entering breast milk of nursing mothers. And nursing babies in the Pfizer documents sustained seizures. And one baby died in the ER after nursing from a vaccinated mother from multi-organ system failure. Four of the moms who are lactating in the Pfizer documents had breast milk that turned blue-green. And by the way, this is not just the Pfizer documents. The NIH uh, did a study subsequently that also found that babies nursing from vaccinated moms were having failure to thrive, not putting on weight, they were agitated and restless and sleepless. They downplayed it. But I just want to I want to tell you: like as a woman, just to uh, for a moment. It's hard, right? It's hard enough to be a healthy woman, menstruating, conceiving a baby, carrying a baby, delivering a baby, nursing a baby. These are great, great gifts, but they take a lot of strength and stamina and you know, social support and love. They're not easy to do. And nursing a baby is not easy to do, at, you know, at its easiest, at its, at its, when you're at your most healthy. So I want to tell you that as a woman and as a feminist and as a mom, when I read that nursing mothers have gone in the last two years from 34% of all moms to 16% of moms, something's wrong, right? Not only are babies in the next generation not getting that primal experience of total love, total nurture, total safety, which is so important, But there's something that is leading the moms to not be able to nurse those babies. And I think we have a clue here in the contamination of vaccinated moms' breast milk. I also want to note that Bill Gates rolled out lab-grown breast milk right at the moment that women were suffering these harms to, to their own ability to sustain their children. Dr. Chandler, in the Pfizer documents, I'm also going to say it's it's a, a constant theme as a war against women, and really a war, a war against women's ability to reproduce. Um, in the Pfizer documents, Dr. Chandler found that of the adverse events, 72% of them were sustained by women. And this is constant throughout. It's a constant three-to-one, women to men. It's not that men are not being harmed, but it's it's that women are being harmed so disproportionately. And Of the 72% of adverse events, there's this chart, which is so hard to look at in the Pfizer documents, in which Pfizer defines 16% of those adverse events as, quote, their words, reproductive disorders. Their words. In that chart, and this is 0.49 for men, not that that's not, you know, Bad, it's bad, but it's like, what kind of monsters look at 16% reproductive disorders and keep going? In that chart, in that section of the documents, there's a, a kind of a subchart with with names, scientific names, and again, if you're a woman or a mom, this is going to make your head explode. There are 20 different scientific names for ruining women's menstrual cycles. In that chart, right there. And this is why I say Nazi medicine because you know, it's bad enough what the Nazis did, but an additional layer of what's chilling and anti-human is how scientific their records were. So there's a scientific name for having two periods a month, or a scientific name for bleeding every single day of the month, or a scientific name for not having any menstrual cycle at all all month, and you can assume you're not fertile or not easily fertile under those circumstances. Horrible, I mean there are children in the audience so I don't want to get too graphic, but scientific names for the most horrible things you can imagine being done to the bodies of women. You know, women years post-menopausal bleeding, 10-year-old girls um, having menarche upon being injected, and horrible things that I won't describe being part of women's experience of menstruation. So I just want you for a minute to imagine as educators and as parents, not even as students, because I feel like I'm burdening you enough with this information, but think about how hard it is. You know, women have so many jobs, right? They're students, they're moms, they're workers, they're wives, they're parents. I guess I said moms. It's a big job. Um, You know, and, and now imagine doing that with this debilitating, health condition, let alone trying to just conceive a baby and you know bring a baby to term and have a healthy delivery. So not surprisingly, and this relates directly to my being deplatformed a year and a half ago, not that what happened to me personally is important compared to what happened to everyone, not surprisingly, in 2022, around the world, nine months after the rollout in most of Western Europe, there's a 13 to 20 percent drop in live births all over Western Europe and North America. And Singapore and Australia, 13 to 20 percent drop in live births with stunning sub-data like double the number of stillbirths in Scotland, a highly vaccinated country, 89 stillbirths in Canada in one province when usually they have two or three. Doctor. Thorpe describes five or six miscarriages a week when before they would have two a month. Absolute baby die-off is what I called it in an early essay about this. So let me now tell you, this is not universal. It's not around the world. This drop, this, this uh, murder of the next generation is not global. It's Western Europe and North America. And I'll get to the meaning of that shortly. So I mentioned that men and boys are not uh, you know, spared. Um, Amy Kelly, for instance, found that lipid nanoparticles degrade baby boys in utero. Uh, they don't even have to be vaccinated. The lipid, nan- Of course, the testes are a membrane, so these um, lipid nanoparticles traverse the testes. Uh, of fetal baby boys and degrade the Sertoli cells and the Leydig cells, which are basically the factories of masculinity. So we don't know if these little baby boys of uh, vaccinated moms are going to be able to grow up to be sexually functioning adult men. The Sertoli cells and Leydig cells are responsible for the male ho- hormonal balance that create things like um, deep voices, you know, hair on their bodies, Broad shoulders, all of the things that we associate with normal masculinity, and that is being degraded. Um, So, and again, when I say like why, why this focus on reproduction, it's a respiratory virus, right? So, why in the Pfizer documents did they mate rats, sacrifice the rats, and then analyze the sexual, the cells of the sexual organs of the rats? Right? It's a respiratory virus. So these are monsters, and there's no way to avoid concluding that they're focused on disrupting human reproduction. So that's a lot, a lot. And now I'm going to step back and put it in geopolitical context and, and answer some of the questions about why from my point of view. Very hard to process that anyone would do this. It's very tempting to think, well, they're just greedy. They couldn't stop. You know, they were making so much money. These are oversights. You know, we've had greedy corporations in our history before. The jungle, right? That's not what this is. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm sorry to tell you. I I firmly believe, and I'll give you my evidence now, that this is a bioweapon and that we're under attack. So, let me step back now and tell you who made the Pfizer injection. You may well think, as I did, that a German company made the Pfizer injection, but that's not true, or that's not the whole truth. Pfizer is a German-Chinese company, and specifically its subsidiary BioNTech, which it purchased right before the pandemic, Um, is a German-Chinese company. BioNTech signed an MOU, which is a Memorandum of Understanding, with Fosun Pharmaceuticals in 2021. So Fosun Pharma is wholly owned by the Chinese Communist Party. It's one of the biggest and most important pharmaceutical companies in China. And you may not know that every corporation in China... Is, is basically run by the Chinese Communist Party or answers to the Chinese Communist Party. So, pardon me, which is why it's nonsense for Dr. Fauci to think that you know, Wuhan is a bunch of independent scientists scampering along, doing nice things for America. They're run by the CCP and by the People's <laughs> Liberation Army of China. So Fosun Pharma, which is, whose CEO is a senior official in the CCP, didn't just sign an MOU with BioNTech. But in 2021, if you look at the SEC filing, which is our stock exchange filing for BioNTech, it shows 100% completed tech transfer of the technology, the IP, from BioNTech to China. It doesn't say to a Chinese individual, to a Chinese company. It says the words to China. Which means that right now, in 2023, if you get a Pfizer injection, you're getting an injection whose IP, and IP can mean the, uh, the formula that they're using, it can mean the data harvested from using it, it can mean the manufacturing process, it can mean any of those. But all of that is owned by China now when it goes into your American body in America. Not only that, Fosun Pharma, They don't give this injection to the people of China. And by the way, I am an anti-racist. This is not an anti-Chinese position I'm taking. It's an anti-Chinese Communist Party position I'm taking, because they want to kill us. Okay? So the, the manufacturing plants, this stuff is not going into the people on the mainland of China. BioNTech and Fosun created a billion doses and they opened 13 manufacturing plants in Western Europe to distribute these doses. And they opened two of them in the United States of America. One is in Princeton, New Jersey, and one is in Springfield, Massachusetts. CCP-owned manufacturing plants producing the injection that goes into the bodies of school children here in the United States of America. Now. In 2018, there was a study by a group of Chinese scientists that showed that lipid nanoparticles damage fertility, mammalian fertility. So they knew. They knew when they were making up this formula that it did this. In 2021, there was a study in Hong Kong, which again, is overseen by the Chinese Communist Party, that showed that the first injection enlarges the heart, causes some problems in rats, and the second injection causes catastrophic harms in those rats. The the hearts are enlarged, there's visible white patches on the hearts, and it's multi-organ system failure again. So to me, I'm not a scientist, and it's kind of lucky. I come from the world of, of politics and journalism, To me, it is obvious that that's an experiment to show the Chinese Communist Party how you kill Westerners without leaving fingerprints. There is more I can tell you uh, about why I believe this is a bioweapon. Think about who got mandated. And, And I'm very much influenced in my conclusions about this by my husband, Brian O'Shea, who spent 12 years in military intelligence and then in the intelligence community and from the very beginning was saying, this is China, this is China, it's a bioweapon. And I was like, honey, I love you, but that's crazy. <laughs> and then he showed me so much primary source documentation that there is no way to avoid this conclusion. But look at who, look at who got mandated with these injections. And, and as a political consultant, you learn to reason backwards. You look at the effect, and then go, you, you, you draw conclusions from the effect. Because the story is made up, always. Right, that's you learn that as a political consultant. The, the the principals will set a goal, they'll say, get us to this goal, and then the chief of staff goes to the message shop, meaning the storytellers, and says, Tell a story to get people to accept this goal, and that's how politics works. So, what is the effect, right? I'm not I'm not asking you to think about the story, which is save your grandma, you know, do it for the community, right? Safe and effective. That's the story. The effect Who got mandated? Our military got mandated. Our first responders, our healthcare workers, our doctors and nurses got mandated. Why? Vaccine doesn't affect transmission, we know that. Why? Right? How do you cripple a society? Our elites' kids got mandated. I just spoke at Yale. You know, I have loved ones at Princeton. I've loved ones at Cornell. These parents are distraught, which is why I love Hillsdale so much. But, you know, how to to cripple a, a, a country? Take out the kids of the leaders, right? Take out the kids of the wealthy, the kids of the elite. Who else got mandated? You know, firefighters got mandated. All the people we need in order to defend ourselves are the ones who got mandated. Pilots got mandated, right? Cripple a society. They went for those populations. And they went for those populations uh, rig- rigidly, right? There's no reason that every university except six, including Hillsdale, had to mandate the kids, except that HHS gave them the money and they, they said, you have to do it, right? Well, this is a captured administration and captured uh, institutions that are allowing the CCP and their allies, the World Economic Forum, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, to cripple our country. As Brian put it, the CCP wants our land. They want our natural resources. They don't want our people. So that's what you've got. And later studies like those of Ed Dowd show that disability among 18- to 39-year-olds is off the charts, which is just what you want in what's called an um, asymmetric warfare, uh, which is the CCP likes to not have a kinetic war but to kind of degrade and demoralize a population rather than having a hot war with shooting. And that's exactly what's going on. And the last thing I'll say for my evidence is that... um, of the adverse events. I mentioned there are 42,000 of them in the Pfizer documents. 36,000 plus are in the United States. About 8,000 plus are in Western Europe in order of political importance. So Britain, Germany, France, Spain, Greece, Italy, like that. Out of all the rest of the adverse events, 7,000 adverse events, roughly, all the 51 countries around the world other than Western Europe and North America where this was deployed, they all of those only account for 7,000. So that's not random, right? That's targeting North America and Western Europe. And the last thing I'll say for my evidence that this is a bioweapon, and this is super, super chilling and creepy, is that it's so easy to target a subject bite with this injection by things as simple as temperature or dose because lipid nanoparticles are liquid at super cold temperatures you remember the news out the news stories about it has to be really chilled has to be they have to have special refrigerators that's true but lipid nanoparticles coalesce clot solidify at room temperature and at body temperature. And what you've seen is the guidance about how to store these has changed constantly. So first it was like, keep it in the freezer. And then it was like, you can leave it out for two hours. Then it was like, you can leave it out for six hours. So there's constant variation in the uh, directions originating from China about how to store this injection. And temperature alone can cause problems. And the other thing I'll tell you is dose. And this is absolutely horrific. But Pfizer dose of active ingredients is 30 micrograms. Moderna is 100 micrograms, more than three times as much. And someone I love got injured by the Moderna vaccine. Well, in the Pfizer documents, it says that 100 micrograms is so high, they had to drop it internally due to its reactogenicity, Pfizer's words. They didn't tell everyone who got the Moderna dose that this was too high and they shouldn't take a booster. They just kept going. Do you know what the dosage is for children? They want it to be 100 micrograms. Tiny children. So that is my incredibly dark um, summary to you of what's in the Pfizer documents. I, I now want to pivot in just a minute or two I have left to happier thoughts, because I don't want you to leave here, you know, clinically depressed and (laughs) giving up all hope. Um, There's a lot of hope in truth. And again, that's why I love this community, even though I'm I'm brand new here, because the most horrible things can be faced if you, you know, embrace this principle of liberty and of truth Mm -hmm. and community. So Pfizer has announced that they have 430 million doses that have expired because no one wants them. And and it's vanishingly small numbers of parents who have given in to the relentless propaganda to, to vaccinate their children with mRNA injection. Uh, so informed consent makes a difference, and informed consent is the law, which people conveniently forgot in the medical establishment in the last two and a half years. Um, We have lawyers suing Pfizer, and I do believe, and there are a lot of good bills that are being introduced to strip Pfizer of its impunity from lawsuits. And I thoroughly hope and believe, I believe we're looking at a mass murder situation, uh, a a war crime, crimes against humanity. And I believe and hope that all of these evildoers, as you know, friendly as they look in their little outfits, talking to the cameras, I hope they will all face justice in this lifetime. And and the last thing I want to say, and I promise I'll make it fast and I'll take questions, is this has been such a hard journey you know, for me and for Amy Kelly and for all these volunteers to go on because we're really looking at this abyss of human evil every single day. It's like looking at Baba Yar, you know, when when that was first opened to the world. It's completely hard to believe that such a thing has taken place and is still taking place. But I guess very quickly, I just want to say that um, this experience has forced me to believe in God more literally than I had before. <laughs> And, and I know that sounds paradoxical, but I, I felt like this evil overtook the world in lockstep, in perf- perfect unison, in a way that I could not explain using my critical thinking, my great education. It, it didn't act like any history previously, right? It was far less random. And uh, it, it, there was something metaphysical about it. you know. And the way people were just lost in delusion, all in one delusion. The media all told one lie, doctors who were Healers one minute were death dealers the next minute something absolutely metaphysical about it that went beyond human history, so I do believe I've concluded I don't have answers but I've concluded that we're in a time like really a biblical moment where humanity is being asked to choose basically and uh, I mean this is very subjective but I kind of believe that God is going okay this is how bad humans can be if you lose touch with me you know this it, it's this bad. So I don't really know the answer to that except to say out loud, which I never used to do, that I believe that. And, you know, and I guess, you know, I read the Bible a lot these days, and I read the Old Testament a lot. And I keep turning to, if my people who are called by my name uh, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. So I believe that. So God willing. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you so much. That's very kind very kind. (laughs) Thank you so much. So, Mr. Bell, uh, do I have 10 minutes for questions? Okay. (laughs) You're so sweet.
0: (laughs) We we now have time for Q&A. If you have a question, please make your way down to a microphone and please note student questions will be given preference.
3: Dr. Wolf, thank you very much for joining us My this pleasure. evening. Thank you. As part of our scientific education here at Hillsdale College, the ethics of scientific research and reporting is emphasized. Um, so your talk this evening has raised some significant concerns for me. As part of the Pfizer documents, was there ever any whistleblower action? And is there anything in there that suggests that any whistleblowers at Pfizer were suppressed or covered up?
2: Wow, that's a great question. Did everyone hear the speaker? And can I just say, of all the many reasons I'm loving Hillsdale, the fact that you're teaching scientific and medical ethics is like keeping that flame alive you know, in, in the face of all this evil. Um, so great question. In the documents themselves, there's no evidence of, of whistleblowers. Uh, there have been a couple of whistleblowers. For instance, um, Brooke Jackson, who's actually a member of our volunteers' team, was an FDA inspector who went to Ventavia, which was a manufacturing plant for Pfizer, and saw horrible things happen. Told the FDA and got fired. So, excuse me, you might want to check out what's going on with her because it's very active right now. She just um, her lawyer just uh, brought forward um, his arguments in her lawsuit, and she's relentless. But in the I mean, it's really sad in the course of all these kids getting damaged all these women getting damaged, these men getting damaged. There's no evidence, and we would have seen it, of anyone involved in the trials coming forward and saying, I can't be part of this, this is horrible, none whatsoever. But I hope that they'll be, I mean, humans are weird, right? Because they're really cowardly, by and large. And I do feel that as more people come out, more people come out, yeah. But thank you for asking. Yes, Miss.
3: Thank you so much for coming. Um, I used I was in the military when the mandate came down and I personally had the misfortune of seeing many of my friends suffer Let's from... A sorry um, I had the misfortune of seeing so many of my friends um, suffer permanent heart conditions um, after taking the vaccine and do you think that they should take some action against um, the military or if they can or how they should go about that because I know people who have like, Myocarditis, and um, my roommate um, uh, back at, I went to West Point, uh, back at West Point, she, had, she was coughing blood into like a napkin and couldn't move for a day. And, like so many like terrible things were happening and they were just acting like it was normal and I didn't know what to do and I ultimately had to leave. So what do you think that um, I should tell my friends who are still there?
2: Uh, well, <clears throat> first of all, thank you for your service. Second, I'm glad you got out of there. Um, And and third, I just want to say, as an older person, I'm so sorry you even have to think about this and that your friends are suffering. It's so awful. Um, Yes, I think everyone who possibly can should sue um, the institutions that did this to them. That's not always easy. Um, and, And I also think people should file both civil and criminal complaints. And there are two webinars that we have on Daily Clout, which is my news site. Can everyone hear me? Yeah. By a lawyer named James Ostrowski, that walk you through how to file both a civil and a criminal complaint. And we have 250 volunteer lawyers. And you know, I can try to hook your friends up with them. Um, I'm not saying I'm not saying it's easy, but I do believe, especially when people are gone out of. The service or out of West Point, like you are, you have more um, freedom with social media too to put it out there and say, "Will other plaintiffs join me? Is there a lawyer who will help us?" Um, and you can also reach out to groups like uh, Steve Kirsch's organization or Children's Health Defense, a lot, or Health Freedom Defense Fund, No More Mandates. A lot of groups like this are suing um, universities, uh, employers, and and the military. It's not it's not going to be easy, but I firmly believe that, like, this this goes to Hillsdale's mission of civil engagement, right, and democracy. We have to not roll over, right? Even if we don't win, we have to fight. Thank you. Miss.
0: Hi, thank you for being here. Um, I had a question about the lipid nanoparticles, and from my understanding, they're used as a delivery mechanism for a lot of other drugs. So do you believe that these adverse side effects are coming from using lipo-nanoparticles for delivery of, like, cancer drugs, any drugs that they're being used for, or is there something different about the COVID delivery mechanism?
2: Right, great question. So I'm not a scientist. I will say that there's, to me, nothing safe about the lipo-nanoparticles because of their mechanism. Um, and more and more of our, our reports show that. For instance, they degrade the myelin sheath of the nerve, and that's why there are so many neurological events. But again, how were lipid nanoparticles used till recently? They were used if you were like you had a brain tumor. So it was a risk-benefit analysis of do I risk this risky delivery system and maybe shrink my tumor because I'm going to die versus I'm a healthy person. Do I need to have this? I mean, Dr. Chandler describes the action of lipid nanoparticles as like a a shotgun blast in the body. Going everywhere, and there's a chilling pinned report which shows autopsies. I'm sorry to upset everyone again. Shows autopsies showing the lipid nanoparticles really throughout the body, causing damage. So I wouldn't like. I went to the dentist, and before I got anesthesia, I said, "Can I read the insert of you know this Novocaine because I don't want it anywhere near me?" But you all have to make your own decisions about that. I I would just. Just physically, it's so destabilizing that I can't see any good use for it that if you're not like a death's door, but that's me subjectively. Thank you. Check out more about it. Yeah, thank you. Hi. Thank Hi. you
1: so much for coming.
2: Thank um, you. I'm also
0: part of the Hillsdale Science Department, and one of the things that we're encouraged to do is to look at the sources or go to the original source material. As you should. So um, the two questions that I had were, one, Where would be the best place to access these Pfizer documents or the reports that your team worked on? Mm -hmm. But also, since we see sort of a chokehold on scientific research and funding, um, what institutions or where is the funding coming to look at these lipid nanoparticles or um, the the researches or the information that you're citing that shows these adverse negative effects?
2: You're saying where is funding going to come from to do real science about them? Mm -hmm. Oh. Wow. All right. Well, first, the first answer is easy. You go to dailyclout.io, and you can see all the reports there for free. You can also support the project by going to Amazon, because we put them in a Kindle ebook, and in 10 days they'll be in a paperback, and all of the links are right there. You can click right through and see the primary source documents. And, And may I again commend Hillsdale for teaching young adults not to take anyone's word for it, but to go to the primary sources and see it for themselves. Um, In terms of science, again, I'm not a scientist. However, all of our, I'm sorry, you guys, for those, and ladies, for those of you who are undergraduates, we will do all we can to help you, but we need to rebuild everything in America, every single institution. So I'm so sorry, but science seems to be thoroughly corrupted. Medicine seems to be thoroughly corrupted. It does. And, and I thoroughly believe that America, it's 1776 again, and we have to f- form communities with like-minded people like you're doing here and say, okay, let's start over. Who's a clean scientist? How do we fund this with clean money? You know, who's going to be a clean journalist? We're doing that. I have an institution I just started called Liberty House where I'm doing clean journalism and trying to teach young adults how to be a journalist without lying and being corrupt. But you have... Thank you. Thank you. But we have to start over, and that's, that's happy and sad, right? It's super sad that we are not giving you intact institutions, especially with 1,500 years of Western development of science and medicine, you're not getting it intact. But it's also kind of beautiful because... If all of you put your, I mean not to be Pollyanna, but I really believe, like the Renaissance, right? If all of you put your hearts and minds to this task of rebuilding, and I do believe in miracles, and I do believe God's hand is powerful, you know, in our lifetimes, you can rebuild better uh, institutions for real science and real medicine. Thank you.
0: Yes. Hi, first of all, I wanted to thank you for coming out tonight. Thank you. Um, my question was this whole auditorium is filled with future parents, mothers, right. fathers. What would your greatest piece of advice be to us that we may have and raise our children in good conscience in this world right now? Do
2: you mean physically? Uh,
0: I mean, physically, practically, I'm just, yeah, I'm curious. What you're yeah,
2: talking. it's a beautiful question. Thank you for asking. Um, Well, I guess the first thing I would say is what I say to my loved ones, which is no more boosters. Just don't do it anymore, you know. Um, And I'm not a doctor, so don't sue me. But (laughs) I tell my kids, no more boosters, please, please, please. Um, The other thing I would say is what's good is there are good dissident doctors who are finding treatments... Um, and I would stay tuned to that. We'll keep covering them on daily cloud. for instance, there's been Dr. McCullough has just done a piece on Natokinase, and I've just sent all my loved ones, Natokinase, which is a blood you know cleaner. So I guess what I'm trying to say is follow alternative medicine dissident doctors, um, take existing medical advice with a huge grain of salt into your own research, especially OBGYN advice, God knows. And, you know, just like, I mean, I can't believe I have to say this, but until 2020, sunlight, nutrition, exercise, you know, all those things were good for your health. And I guess the other thing we haven't talked about here is, like, love and intimacy. I mean, one of the saddest things I see that these these injections do is they disrupt, I mean, I don't want to get graphic, but they disrupt the ways human beings bond and attach to one another, Right? And I've really noticed. Like, I've noticed that people don't, like, make out anymore in public the way they used to, or, you know, passionately hug each other, or, you know, you barely see pregnant women outside of Hillsdale, Michigan, you know? (laughs) 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 So this is quite tragic. So I would say I hope your generation revalorizes romance, dating, respect for the other gender, You know, conscientious intimacy, all of those things that I know you talk about a lot here, um, and and revalorize love. Yeah, that's the best I can do. Thank you so much. And children, love and children. Yes. Thank you. Yes, please.
0: For speaking, Uh, you you kind of addressed this in the last question, but what advice can you give for surviving victims that are dealing with health issues from this? Where can they seek uh, treatment
2: do you mean victims of the injection or victims yes. of other things? Um, yeah, that's really hard. It is related to the other question. Um, so I direct people to FLCCC. Yeah. And also there's a new company called the Wellness Company that Dr. McCullough and Dr. Rish and Dr. Alexander and these wonderful dissident doctors are have launched. Um, and other than that, I don't have any other good resources yet because the science is so new. But oh, Dr. Henry Ely also at the Energetic Health Institute. Um, and I, I honestly believe that like, in addition to the physical damage, there's also psychological damage that, that you know people you trust treated you like nothing. And so to me, it's very healing to even talk to someone like Dr. Ely or Dr. McCullough because they hold that physician's respect for and reverence for human life and human health. And and I think that itself is is healing, right? That 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 reverence for the human condition I think is very important to nurture as well. That's the best I can do for now. But I'll keep you all posted as we learn more. Thank you.
1: Hi, thank you so much for speaking and sharing. It was That's really awesome. great to hear your thoughts. Thank um, you. So you talked a lot about women's health and reproductive health, which which is something that I'm very passionate about as well. But I notice um, when we look at just all the information that we're fed on social media and a lot of the social media apps, it's very quick little bits of information that's usually supporting the vaccines. And so when it comes to seeing who this impacts, I think it targets, just like you were saying, children are usually targeted with the vaccines and sometimes underprivileged children. I think also the lack of education can be a big thing with who is accepting these vaccines without really educating themselves and getting fully informed consent. So how would you say opening up the conversation to those people groups, especially young women where there's clearly a lack of Women's health education, you know, how can, are there sources that are, you know, following up that side of it to make that information accessible to those that might not be able to interpret primary source documents?
2: Right. Wow. Another great question. So first, I will say, tragically, all the institutions like the Boston Women's Health Collective, which does Our Bodies, Ourselves, a famous feminist women's health book that has been around for 40 years, have Horribly sold their souls, take the money, and are disgustingly corrupt. So don't pay any attention to them at all. And also, you should know that social media and and legacy media also took the money. Um, Bill and Melinda Gates spent 319 million dollars on mainstream media. So you're not going to get truth about this from BBC, The Guardian, you know, The New York Times. Um, you have to be very cautious about what you take in, and. And social media, especially, is designed for clicks and not for information. So uh, you know, we've done our best to give you all the good primary source information on Daily Cloud. And there are other decent sources, like the ones I mentioned. Um, Children's Health Defense is a great source for stuff like this. And that's to educate you. But I, I would also say that we tend to um, underestimate how important we are to the people around us and how influential we are to the people around us. You don't need a national platform to have a conversation with your you know, niece or your cousin or your, you know, a child that you're mentoring. Um, and I would even say it's so important for you just to influence the people around you. I would put all your energy into that, which you can do, and not worry too much about going to other communities because... People are most um, persuaded by the people around them that's why the trusted messenger program of evilness is so effective um, yeah uh, just but I would also say be brave right because we all know maybe you maybe you've been spared, but everyone I know knows a family or is part of a family that's been torn in half by these issues and you know bad feelings are around them ostracism and silencing and censorship and rejection so I often say to people people say to me you're so brave well i'm not brave you know i had no alternative but to tell the truth but but don't don't be less than brave right you have to you have to save people's lives you have to and I mean, when i said this is a biblical moment i kind of feel like what conditions could have been brought about any more clearly to force us to be people who either love our neighbor or, or step away from that responsibility. So that's what I would say, yeah.
0: We have time for one more question. Dr. Wolf, first of all, you've become one of my heroes in the past year. So Thank God you. bless you. I pray for you and Thank I so, you. Much, so much admire your courage.
2: Thank you so much.
0: I want to go back to the theme of hope. And you talked a little bit about changing the laws that uh, indemnify Pfizer from lawsuits and the other pharmas as well. What kind of traction are you seeing potentially from our political leaders?
2: Because we don't have a friendly White House right now no. for, the, for any of this. And on, each, on either side of the aisle, I'm wondering, you know we have a split government. Are you seeing hope there on that front that we have enough
1: traction based on the evidence that you're, you're revealing?
2: I mean, I i don't put any faith as a former political consultant. I just don't think either party is going to so- solve it yeah. as a party. It, it's really always up to the people Holding their feet to the fire, um, Pfizer can buy whomever they want, right? And it's not just Pfizer. Google, you know, Twitter. I mean, Facebook invested in the vaccines. Google invested in the vaccines. Big tech is deeply, deeply invested. Um, so no, I don't see. I see some window dressing, like Rand Paul's awesome theatrically, and you know, Senator Johnson's awesome on camera. But nobody's gone to prison. You know, like there's no real consequences to date. So, again, it's really up to all of you. And what I will say is look on Daily Cloud at something called Bill Cam, which is a way to send uh, state or federal legislation through social media because the top 10 bills are, as I mentioned, really good bills that would force accountability. And at the state level, you really can have an impact. Even just this community here of you know, 500 people at Hillsdale can have a huge impact, even though Michigan is awful on these issues. I know because I testified at the Michigan legislature. But you know it takes like 50 people to pass a bill at a state level using this technology where the bill goes through social media and bombards the sponsor or the opponent of the bill. Um, so I would organize at a local level and not wait for to be saved by either political party because it's not going to happen. I'm sorry. Thank you so much. I'm sorry to be so, such a downer, my gosh, but I guess there are also solutions. Yes, please. please.
0: Please join me in thanking Dr. Wolf.
2: Oh, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank
0: you so much.